Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. Welcome to another edition of the Holden Village Podcast. I'm with the village's most famous band. You know, I feel like you said it was like the Catabastic Breeze or something. Like, and then the original, I wanted that to be the title of like the first one. But anyway, we are in part two of the Vespers 23 Bless This Night series. First episode broke and shattered all the records. So this is uh, this is a famous topic, and let's go around the circle, reintroduce ourselves, and maybe say also what has been inspiring this summer for all of you. My name is Steve Wolbrecht. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, I was the musician and did the score for, uh, for the Vesper setting, and it has been amazing to play this and have this be sung in a near full village for the first time, I think since the remediation started in 2012. We had over 350 villagers and staff and just all here and that was electric and amazing and moving and I was weeping most of the time. It was kind of hard to see the music. <laughs> so, yes, that's been great. <laughs> yeah, and I am Rachel Joy. I worked on this project as a poet. Uh, I'm in the village as an accounting person. And uh, one of the most inspiring moments for me this summer with the Vespers 23 project was hearing teenagers we had a whole group of teenagers who were here, and when they sang it fully, I realized, wow, this is really something meaningful mm-hmm. for the future. And then they gave us a standing ovation, and that was just amazing. My name is Mark. I use he, him pronouns. I serve the village as pastor, and I worked on this with the lyrics. Every Monday, it's really fun to have people. It's been really well received, and it's fun to see people interact with it and sing it and then ask us questions afterwards. And, and I've loved the preview sessions, too. We meet on Monday at 6.30 and um, give people an opportunity to kind of preview the, the music and workshop some of the lyrics, just engage with their questions and comments and wonderings, and it's, that's been really fun. My name's Heather Griffith. I use she, her pronouns. I was one of the lyric authors on this project, and I echo everything that has been said, but it's been really enjoyable to share the results of this project with a different group of people each week. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started working on this in January um, really intensively on translating and scoring the Annunciation and Magnificat, Mary's song, and then expanding that into full Vesper service. So the entire service has an evening hymn, a psalmody, the Mary song, and then the prayer of Jesus, and then a blessing. So today we're here to talk about the prayer of Jesus specifically and the work that went into that project. This all started with an original translation that Pastor Mark did, um, working with the texts in Luke and Matthew in the Greek. One of the pain points with the prayer of Jesus is always the first line. Traditionally, it is a very gendered line, our Father. After many iterations, uh, we ended up with, O Holy One who calls me beloved. Uh, We really wanted to emphasize 
the relational nature that you might get from a father or mother. And so the language of the one who calls me beloved really resonated and has continued to resonate with the community. We're changing the directionality of the text. So this is God moving to us, Holy One who comes to me as calling me beloved, as opposed to me articulating um, some far off God that is somewhere who, you know, art in heaven. So then we, we move that phrase into you're in the air I breathe instead of the far off skies or distant places uh, to kind of another way to try to capture the intimacy of that opening line. That makes it sound more personal. You're trying mm-hmm. to create a more personal moment with, with God, which I love. I'm also curious, as you talked about, you know, parenting, the philosophy of the parent uh, to go beyond like gender. Since many of you are parents, I'm curious, does any of your parenting Like, has that gone into any of this work as well? For me, for sure. I was thinking about translating the text and thinking about how else would you translate father or mother? Mm -hmm. You know, a holy one who gave me birth quite doesn't work. You know, the kind of traditional (laughs) parenting language. Like, what does that mean? And like, then just thinking about interacting with my kids. Like, what's the primary thing we do? We love them. And so naming that as the primary action of parent from my own experience as a parent is where that came to my mind. It, it, it's just parent in general. Male, female, 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 gender fluid. It doesn't matter. It's just these are the ones who are looking out for the little ones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just kind of wipes that all and you can draw the relationship however you need it to be. Because families are complicated. This is probably yeah. not the first time we've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, slow down, coach. Right. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I mean, people are raised by grandparents yeah. or any constellation of guardians, chosen, adopted, all those kind of familial relationships are at play. Yeah. The social construct doesn't matter. It's the relationship yeah. that yeah. does. The beloved relationship. I believe we are on Give Life to Your Dreams. I think it's a beautiful way of saying, you know, instead of your will be done, inviting us to imagine what is God's dream for us in creation? What is God's dream for us in relationship? What is this world that God longs to see? And I think that is a, a powerful image mm-hmm. and a way to hear those words that maybe, again, invites you into a new perspective. The very different perspective, but yeah. opening in possibility yeah. of like, uh, and wonder of, yeah. wow. So I think that give life to your dreams, it doesn't pull back from impact. I mean, we're still saying give life to your dreams, your will be done. But just the the poetic way of inviting, and just like, I don't know, to think like, what is God dreaming? Mm -hmm. Does God dream? (laughs) Does God sleep? Just having that kind of like, you know, that metaphor I think is, is particularly interesting. Bring forth your jubilee. challenging one to translate this word kingdom, right? I mean, it's kind of a common part of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of Jesus. And um, what does that word kingdom mean in our contemporary world? Um, It's kind of a churchy word and and we don't really live in a world of kingdoms anymore. It's patriarchal, hierarchical, kind of all those things. Looking into the Greek too, is is really not, the, the connotation of the word there is not necessarily a, uh, a defined place with borders and boundaries and a 
a gate. Or yeah, anything, yeah, I mean that's not really the imagination. Um, it's a it's the ability to rule or govern or authority or something like that. And uh, I was sitting with a close friend of mine, a theological mentor, and I was kind of sharing with him my little translation puzzle and how else do you translate kingdom and what might be a better word. And we were just kind of flipping through words, just playing. And all of a sudden he looked over and he said, Jubilee, use Jubilee. Like, oh my gosh, it was kind of this eureka moment of lightning strike and like, whoa, that's so interesting. And in the next few moments, I'm just flipping through all of these places in scripture where that says kingdom and replacing it with Jubilee. And oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. It was so exciting. And then, you know, in Luke 4, when Jesus announces what he's come to do or articulates the beginning of his ministry, he recasts Isaiah 61, which is the Jubilee text. I mean, so in Luke, Jesus is saying, I've come to bring a Jubilee. And so we could still use the word kingdom. We have to be careful. It's not that kind of kingdom with the border and the boundaries and all those kind of things. It's a Jubilee kind of kingdom. That got really exciting uh, to think about this person of Jesus coming to announce a jubilee kind of a kingdom, a jubilee kind of way of being and life. When this idea first came up in our group, I wasn't very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Because we had spent the whole last summer, uh, our theme was jubilee. (laughs) Yeah, right. And uh, so it was a wonderful theme, but our community had just spent so much time with it that it was kind of uh, a little too soon. (laughs) Yeah, it was totally. (laughs) (laughs) But over time, it really, for all the reasons that Mark just mentioned, became something that I have fallen in love with Hmm. in this prayer. Topics of jubilee and joy and playfulness, like that's something that I always feel I want to inspire in others. Mm -hmm. And I love that that's also what's happening in this, this context as well. Also, curious, from your own personal lives, you've talked a little bit about this, Mark, but yeah, how, how do you bring jubilee in your lives? What is one aspect in which you feel like you're able to embody that? The whole creative process has been a jubilee for me. (laughs) really deeply and profoundly having (laughs) having a group of people that I can be my full creative self with and trust that they will help me get it to the better thing that it can be Mm. and having those moments where we talk about a word like jubilee where we come up with a phrase like revolution in your womb where we just work and work and work at a word that's not quite right and then it finally falls into place having steve put music to the words that takes it that next step to meaning and wonder all of that has been hugely transformative in my life and a jubilee, a joyful, wonderful, life-giving experience. I think for me, just seeing what can be and looking at each word that we chose and really thinking about what are we trying to say and what are we trying to convey have been helping create that jubilee that we want. What are we aspiring to be as a people of faith and a community of faith up in the mountains? Release debts. What you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> Please sit down. It's going to take a little while. <laughs> After that kind of like jubilee uh, translation, lightning strike, it felt really important to capture the economic kind of imagination of the of the prayer, particularly as it's rendered in Matthew. To to think about this as as a really tangible 
prayer that includes economic justice and economic release. And so that's where that debts comes from. And it, it felt really important then because part of the Jubilee promise is the, is the release of debts, is this kind of opening and, and forgiving. And not just forgiving in an existential way or a, uh, I'm sorry and I receive your apology or those kinds of, that kind of way, but like a, a transactional way, an, an economic way. And so it felt really important to tie that into this concept of Jubilee that we translated into the prayer. This was another passage where we struggled with the me language mm -hmm. versus the our language. Um, and we decided to leave only the me in the very first sentence with Holy One who calls me beloved because it didn't make sense to go back and forth through the whole place. As part of that conversation, we thought about, you know, there are specific debts that I have or that I can forgive personally and also there are communal debts. So the communal language here, I think is particularly powerful in thinking about what are things as a community that we can take responsibility for in terms of needing to be forgiven, needing to do something to address the injustice of. I have a question with communal debts. When I hear that, my abstract mind thinks of like, generational trauma. I'm just yeah. curious, does that apply? Yeah, that's exactly where yeah. I went as well. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's and, and that goes I mean, as Mark was saying, that goes back to the idea of Jubilee and part of the concept of Jubilee was to avoid generational debts because the debts would expire after a certain amount of time. Mm. And that's has not been happening in our current societies, but that's something that we can aspire to. I also take a little bit of the, even, even on the personal, releasing the debts we hold against ourselves, as mm. far as being too critical of ourselves or holding on to guilt or something that you did and not being able to forgive or even release Jubilee yourself mm -hmm. um, from those and then staying chained to those and also acknowledging that we also have to do that work then to get past these generational general issues that we have with ourselves and kind of mm. become better versions of ourselves. Beautiful. Nourish and sustain your bodies. So we translated uh, give us today our daily bread as nourish and sustain our bodies. One of the themes that runs through our whole Vespers service is embodiment. And so we really wanted to keep the daily bread sense of we are in bodies that are being nourished. So that was where we got nourished and sustained our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> we kept bread for a long time, even though bread is a very holden thing to celebrate. <laughs> we eat a lot of bread. <laughs> <laughs> we love bread. We eat a lot of bread up here. Uh, and we have bread for our Eucharist services. Bread is not a cultural universal. And so with the idea of this prayer being meant to be a universal prayer, we decided not to name bread specifically as a culturally as a cultural food, but just name the action that bread does to us, which is to nourish and sustain us. Another aspect of the translation here is that Mark has talked a lot about over our seasons with this, is that in the original, the bread that we need is for today and also for tomorrow. It's an ongoing action. And our translation of nourishing and sustaining our body captures that it's happening now and that it's an ongoing. And nourishment's also just, I mean, it's a universal term, but it's very holden. 
Like, yeah, I feel like uh, all the uh, yeah, 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 like all the cookbooks that have been released throughout Holden have like that nourishment title usually in it, and so I think that's great because this Absolutely. is this is a Holden creation. It's a universal creation too, but yeah, I yeah. love. But it's how... very particular here, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No doxology, which you'll have to let me know what doxology means. Um, <laughs> and, uh, actually not the right word. Oh, it's not the right word. Excellent. <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Should we make it up? Yeah. I, I could talk to this. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. The prayer usually ends with, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. But that particular phrase is not in the text, and so we didn't put it in our version. However, we did put a little intro into the version, into the song, where we say the disciples asked Jesus to pray, and he said, when you pray, pray like this. Because that is in the text, and so we thought that was the more interesting thing to emphasize. And I think it's interesting to remember that the prayer of Jesus is the answer to a question. Which is, is mm-hmm. interesting. How do we pray? Yeah. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray, pray like for this. And invites them in, into this way of prayer. It's textually accurate to end it that way. I loved it. When that was suggested, so when I was in confirm, confirmation, my, my confirmation teachers said, you know, like, we're, we're going through, you know, we're analyzing the Lord, Lord's Prayer and going through everything. And then, and then one of them made a side comment of like, oh, but th- that's not actually in scripture. The, 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 the ending part was like, wait, wait, oh, it's not? Oh, yeah, no. So I, I don't, I personally don't say that, but you go ahead. I was like, oh, I'm not saying it either. <laughs> and I, and I, I stop. I, I, I stop there and I never say that. I just say the amen at the end with everybody else. But so when that was that's suggested, funny. oh, we could just not do that. I was like, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's how I do it. So cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love to do that. One. I mean, it's, it's historical, it's traditional. I mean, there's a lot yeah, yeah. of history there. We're not saying don't do it, but also, you know, it's just interesting to kind of play with it and like I said earlier, like just gonna provoke people into a new way of hearing these words and understanding mm-hmm. our relationship with them. And go and we're taking straight from the text. Yeah. Here's what the text says. So that's all we're gonna take from. Like I thought that was a, I thought that was cool too. And on the doxology, we did build a doxology into the evening hymn. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we felt that that balanced not having that ending in that's right. yeah. the Lord's Prayer. In regards to music, the yeah. musical style of the prayer of Jesus, how would you like to highlight that? It was a fun challenge to to come at this where it, it, it's certainly not a hymn. We're not having a, uh, a syllabic pattern that, that repeats or is that any sort of form, so it's more free form. I can do nice arpeggiations and make it kind of, you know, make kind of like quote unquote pretty music. <laughs> and, and I can make it very pretty, but that, but that, but then wanting to, how do we, how do we do this in a way uh, that keeps the, the drive of the prayer going? It doesn't get too lost in itself a little bit. Once we boiled it down, once we kind of distilled down, this is what we want to say. It, it came very quickly as soon as we kind of got that. I, I think Rachel mentioned earlier. I think I wrote this in an afternoon because we didn't even plan on saying this that night. We were that workshop. You were in the village, right? We right. workshop something else. We said, "Hey, I think we're close to having the final words for this prayer of Jesus down." And you're like, "Oh, I'll give it a look," and we sang it that night. And musically, it's a continuation of the prayers that happen right before. So the prayers, the intercessory prayers, move directly into the prayer of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's just right. one continuous time of prayer. Mm-hmm. when you do the whole service. Right. And that's a subtle thing we hadn't planned on talking about, but we don't amen at the end of the intercessory prayers. The amen at the end of the prayer of Jesus is the collect for that entire intercessory moment. 
we did really, we did intentionally, it's subtle, I don't know if people would notice it, um, but it seemed really cool to not have the prayers of intercession, amen. The prayer of Jesus, amen. Oh. But to see that as this arc of prayerful experience within our Vesper service, yeah. as a complete thing, felt mm-hmm. important. When we came to that, hey, maybe we do this, I was like, oh, how do we bridge the two? Like, that was, mm-hmm. but we ended, it ended up working, I think, pretty well. Because the prayers are spoken, but then there's this vamping underneath, right. and the sung refrain, mm-hmm. and that sung refrain then kind of, I don't know, echoes you into, I don't know, there's <laughs> it's, the, it's the same chords that, that lead into the refrain, that lead into the repeated refrain of the prayers, yeah. that lead into the Jesus prayer with a slight variation. So you, you get that same kind of lift off every time, yep. but this time you're going into the Jesus prayer for the whole thing so I was very excited too because I was able to I I, I wanted to get a specific nod and acknowledgement tip of the hat to to Marty Haugen I I tried to get this little motif in two other ones that just didn't work it like didn't musically follow what needed to happen but in this one I was able to get this this perfect descending line um, that echoes from Haugen's first movement so I was very excited to, to get that on give life to our dreams I'm really proud of how this turned out. This is my favorite piece, or my favorite song in the whole work. And I think Steve scored it beautifully, and it is just so fun to do every time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.